I want to read our text this morning as we begin. We're going to read the majority of the chapter. And so uh, if you want to listen or read along, I encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Now about gifts of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Go to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Skip down to verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have been in a series the entire fall about the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, uh, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And there is a lot that we could say and talk about this morning. And I want to just kind of acknowledge in the front end that there is a lot of confusion that just kind of hovers around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not just confusion, there's also some kind of fear in this. And so look at a a room this size, you know, there are a couple hundred of us here this morning. And we all have different experiences with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That Some of you are incredibly comfortable and familiar with gifts of the Holy Spirit. That some of you guys, you've have ignored them your entire life because it's foreign and it doesn't make sense and you can't get your mind around it. And others of us, this is the very first time that maybe you're hearing about gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I want us to do this morning is just to kind of look at 1 Corinthians 12, look at the scriptures together, to learn together what it is that God has for us. And I want to just kind of give us some structure to help us as we move through this text that, that essentially the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. They are, are given by God for the good of others, for God's glory. We are given spiritual gifts by God for the good of others, for God's glory. 
And I want us just to kind of walk through those this morning as we're in 1 Corinthians 12. And so the first thing I want us to see is this, that gifts are given from God to every single follower of Jesus. In verse 7 it says, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Spiritual gifts are not just given to the spiritually elite. They're not just given to the spiritually mature. They're not just given to preachers or to pastors or to people who do work on Sundays. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. One of my favorite things to do um, is to give gifts. Uh, This is why Christmas is one of my favorite times of year. I love that it's just around the corner. There's something about the season where I love to to go and to think about what I want to get my wife, Court, and our kids, Finley and Jones, and my nephews. Those are fun people to buy for, right? (laughs) No one likes buying for their aunts, but like everyone loves buying for their aunt, their their nephews and nieces. I love going to the store to Toys R Us and picking out a toy, (laughs) bringing it home and, and wrapping it and and putting it under the tree and then seeing my nephew's face as they open it up on Christmas morning. You know, I was thinking about gifts at just the most basic level. When we give gifts to each other, what we're essentially doing is that we're just saying to someone else that we value them, that you love them, that they mean enough to you that you would think about a gift and you would set aside time and money to go and get it and wrap it and put it in their hands. I love this word gift in verse four. In the original language in the Greek, it literally just means a present that is given as a sign of beneficent favor. A gift is just something that is is given to express that you are favored. I don't want us to miss this. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has given you a spiritual gift. And it points to this even more deeper and incredible truth that he loves you. The very fact that he would give to you a gift is a sign of his favor. That he loves us deeply. It's a gift, which means that it's not earned. Spiritual gifts, he gives them to us. They were never intended to point to our goodness or to our performance or to our maturity. The, the, the gift is always pointed, is always given to point back to the giver. To make us understand how good he is, how kind he is, how much he loves us. You know, you don't give gifts to your enemies, do you? Here in a couple weeks, you're going to start making out your Christmas list. And if any of you have a category for your ex-boyfriends, like if you're going to buy gifts for your ex-boyfriends, we need to sit down and have a conversation. It's not okay. You don't buy gifts for people who have hurt you and wounded you, your enemies. Who do you give gifts to? People you love the most. I go, if you're a follower of Jesus, I can't say this enough. We need to understand that we have been given a gift from God and it points to this deeper truth that he loves us deeply. The second thing that I want us to think about is that he has given to us spiritual gifts for the good of other people. He's given to us spiritual gifts for the good of other people. And so in verse seven, it says, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. I don't know how we have done this, but we've managed to do this kind of through the years as Christians that we have... um, misunderstood and even abused 
spiritual gifts we've been given. And so sometimes you, we've treated our spiritual gifts like they're spiritual badges meant to make much of ourselves. And so I think about in high school, I don't know if this is what your high school worked, but we had letter jackets. Do you guys have letter jackets in high school? I was the only one. Raise your hands if you had letter jackets. That's great. Okay. Had our school's uh, initial on the front and then on the back, every, every person that if, if you had any accomplishment, any individual accomplishment, you would get a badge and they would put it on the back of your jacket. And so if you were all state in band, you'd have a badge on your back. If you were the most valuable player on your cross country team, you would have a badge on the back of your jacket. If you went to playoffs, you would have a badge on the back of your jacket. And what I realized is that they gave us these jackets like so that people could understand how great we were, how much you've accomplished. And spiritual gifts are not given to us to make much of us. They're not meant to draw any attention to us. Verse 11 says that he distributes gifts to each of us just as he determines. This word determines, it literally just means to accomplish what he has in mind. And I go, this is so incredibly beautiful because God, he doesn't just randomly give to us gifts. In the spring of 2007, when I was looking for a ring to give to court to ask her to be my wife, I didn't just like walk in the jewelry store and say, give me whatever you got, I'll take it. I didn't just like randomly pick out some ring. There's time, intentionality, it's deliberate. And I love what, what Paul is wanting us to understand about the way that God has chosen to give us gifts, that it's, it's deliberate, it's specific, that he's chosen them for us. Galatians chapter 5 says that God does not show favoritism. And so the specific gifts that he has given to us is not an indication of how he feels about us. He gives to us spiritual gifts to accomplish what he has in mind. And so what is it that God has in mind about giving us spiritual gifts? Why does he gives us spiritual gifts? In verse 7 it says, for the common good. Or I love the way that he talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, the exact same thing. He gives us spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up. That word, that phrase built up, it's this beautiful word. It's a construction term. It literally means to, to, to bring something closer to completeness or fullness. So you walk up to a house that hasn't been completed, but it's in the process and you pick up a hammer and you start putting nails in the studs. You start helping laying the floor. You start putting the sheetrock up. Literally, you start helping in the construction of the building. And I love this picture that he's wanting us to get our minds around. That the reason that he has given to us spiritual gifts is that we can help each other become more like Jesus Christ. That God has, has given Mike spiritual gifts that are intended to help me become more like Jesus, to, to build me into more fullness, that God has given my wife spiritual gifts that, that help me become more like Jesus, that God has given to me spiritual gifts that help Aaron become more like Jesus, that it is a body of Christ helping each other become more like Jesus. He has given to us spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ is blessed. Let's look at the gifts in verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. 
to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And so what I want us to know is that this is not an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. And so we just read that and some of you are like, man, I didn't make the cut. I must have a spiritual gift, right? Like panicking a little bit. This is not an exhaustive list. And I don't think he gives us this list so that we read this and we go, okay, God's given me the, uh, the gift of miraculous power. So anytime any of you guys have a need, like anything you need, a miracle, just come to me and I'll take care of it for you. Like, I don't think that's why he's giving us this list. So I've been reading and praying and thinking this week, it seems like these gifts are something that God gives in real time for someone in the body of Christ who has a real need. thinking about the way that my parents would give me and my older sister my younger brother gifts when we were growing up and for those of you who are parents you understand this there's sometimes that you just give your kids gifts that 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 they want so they want a bike or they want a football or whatever it is there's sometimes that you give kids gifts that you want them to have and then there's sometimes that you give gifts because there's a real need Court and I had just been married for a couple months and uh, she was full-time in school. I was working job, not making much money. We had very little money. And I walked to go to work one day and as I'm getting there, I realize that my mouth is hurting. And so I get to work and my mouth looks like I have a tennis ball on the side of my cheek. And I'm working with Dave and he just sees me walking. And he just starts laughing. He's like, just making fun of me. And he's like, what is going on with your face? And I don't know. <laughs> My tooth really hurts. And so I went to the dentist and the dentist just basically said, <laughs> it's my little girl. She just heard my voice. She wanted to come out here and be with me. Um, so I go to the dentist and the dentist just, he sees my tooth and he says, oh, this is bad. He's like, we got to get this taken care of. And so he literally like pulls my tooth out. just like, And we got this huge dental bill. I'm like, we barely have enough money to keep the air conditioning on. How can I pay this dental bill? My mom finds out about it and she like dips into her savings to help take care of this real need. And I think these spiritual gifts, God's wanting us to understand how good of a father he really is to all of us. And I look at this list and I wonder if more than anything, if he's just simply wanting us to understand that, that these spiritual gifts are all about him, that they're not about us. I wonder if he's wanting us to understand that, that he is the one who builds up the body of Christ and that these gifts are just tools in his hands that he is going to use to accomplish what it is that he desires. I wonder if he's wanting us to understand that he is the one who's going to meet real needs through real believers who are filled with the real Holy Spirit. I just want to be as candid as I can. I do not understand all these spiritual gifts, okay? I don't understand what they are and how they work. I was looking at a message of wisdom this week. Going, what in the world is that? So I started to read from people who are much smarter than me, much older than me. And when I realized after reading about several people what they thought this meant, that they are just as confused as I am. 
I don't know how to simplify what a spirit of or a message of wisdom is, how to make that easily recognizable so that we can understand if we have that gift or not. I don't know. Or I look at the gift of tongues that Paul talks about, and I don't speak in tongues. I haven't yet, anyways. I have several friends that do. I look at the gift of of healing and I think about a conversation I had last week with one of my friends who was a church planner in Africa for 10 years and he was talking about how they would walk by people who were literally lame and people who were sick and so as a team they would just like get down on their knees and they'd put their hands on these people and the next day they would see these lame people walking around (laughs) he said Brandon it was weird it's like it's not like I felt like power leaving my hand I kind of wondered like did they get up and take medicine they see a doctor how they get better and I go there's just kind of this fog that hovers over the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we could sit here as a body of Christ and we could try cognitively to get our minds around these, like what they are and how they work. But I don't think the gifts of the Spirit were ever intended to be something that we just sat around and talked about. That gifts of the Holy Spirit were meant to be used and discovered as we're following Jesus in the context of a community. And so here's what I want to do. I want to shape and kind of reshape for some of us how we view spiritual gifts. Growing up, my favorite gift I think that I've ever gotten um, was this six foot tall, white plastic Michael Jordan basketball goal. Did any of you guys have like had his big smiley face on the backboard? Did any of you guys have that gift growing up? Yes, we're kindred spirits. That's awesome. We'll we'll talk after this. Um, It's like the greatest gift I had. My brother actually had the exact same gift. And so when my parents would leave the house, we would take our goals and we would move every bit of furniture in the den so we could play full court. (laughs) And we'd play in the hallway and we'd play in the bedroom. We would play anywhere we could. And as I was thinking about that gift that I love so much, the reason it was my favorite gift is because it was something that was meant to be used with others. Our best life as a Christian community, will be found when we use the gifts that God has given to us for and with each other. That our best life as a Christian community will be found when we're using our spiritual gifts that God has given to us for and with each other. So let's just look at a couple of these gifts. I I look at the gift of faith. Last year in my house church, and the girls in our house church said, yeah, my husband has the gift of faith. I'm like, what's the gift of faith? Do I not have the gift of faith? Am I not a Christian? Like we went down this like wrong, long rabbit hole and he's not talking about the saving faith that every Christian has. He's talking about an unshakable, a constant, an unwavering, a different kind of faith. And what hit me is that the reason that that some of you have this just incredible, unshakable faith is because God has gifted you with that. And so you find yourself in conversations with some of your friends and they're just like all over the board all the time. Like, does God exist? Does he love me? Does he care? And you don't wrestle with those questions. You're you're grounded. You're rooted. You have this like unshakable faith that, that life has happened and yet it hasn't moved you from your hope in Jesus Christ. And if this is you, you have to give to faith. And what you need to know is that this body needs you. That there are people in this room that are struggling on a daily basis to believe 
And what they need is you. To sit down with them. To share the gift that God has given to you. To to tell them about the the hope and why you have the hope and, and, and tell them about the thing that God has, has given to you. I look at the gift of, of helping. You go back and continue to read the rest of this chapter in verse 28 and he talks about the gift of helping and literally it just means to assist someone in a difficult time. And we go, that's not a spiritual gift. Yeah, it is. There are people who are literally sitting right beside you this morning and their parents are going through a terrible divorce. And they need someone with a gift of helping just to be with them. There are people in this room who just got laid off from their work. And this month they just need a little bit of extra money to buy the kids milk and put gas in the car and keep the electricity on. Gifts are given to us so we can help each other. So we can help each other become more like Christ. And what I've realized is that so often we discover the spiritual gifts that God has given to us in the context of a community because in the context of a community that needs rise up. And it seems like our good father is in the business of giving us gifts that help take care of other people's needs. Let's keep going in verse 14. Let's go to verse 12. It says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. Look at verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I just want to say this because this is just a truth for so many Christians. We don't like the gifts that God has given to us so often. Let's just say it like it is. We want what someone else has. For me, for, I've been reading this this week and I go, I think for, I think God has given me the, the gift of faith. Times in my life where I think God has given me the spirit of wisdom, whatever that means. But I go, God, I, I want to speak in tongues. I want miraculous powers. I want to, I want to heal. And what I realized this week is that so much of me still exists for me that I have not learned to love you guys. I have not learned to love the body of Christ like I love myself. That I'm still more interested in being this like super Christian with all these gifts that everyone comes to instead of being the person that going, man, what has God given to me? And how, I can, how can I take what I've been given to bless others? Verse 18, it says that God has placed every one of us just as he wanted them. Word place means to assign a duty or responsibility or an obligation. Think about just the way that that music happens. Let's just take here in worship for a moment. This is the reason that Will and Adam and Warren, it's the reason that, that 
they don't just invite seven guys that all sing tenor to come up here and play acoustic guitar every week, right? That'd be a terrible worship experience, right? No, it's the, it's the reason that, that they ask people to come and play keys and to play drums and play cello and to play the violin because they understand that there's something about diversity, that there is beauty that comes up out of that. God has put every single one of us, he has gifted us and put us in this body, in this place for his purposes. And because God understands the way that, that things work, that he has given to us different people with different gifts because he understands that that's what this body needs. We need you. We need every one of you to lean into the gifts that, that God has given to you in real time. We need you to be obedient. We need you in real time to respond. We need you to use your gifts to build up the body of Christ. We need Ty. We need Amy. We need Caroline. We need every person here to use your gifts for the body of Christ. And so uh, I was thinking about the word prophecy. I don't know if that word scares you. I don't know what you think about prophecy, what it means. Paul gives a really good definition in 1 Corinthians 14, verse, thir verse 3. That prophecy is getting a word of encouragement or comfort from God for somebody else. That God puts in your heart, in your mind, a word from his heart that encourages somebody else in the body of Christ. I don't know what you believe about prophecy. I believe that that gift is still very much alive and it's very much alive still in this church. Earlier this week, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, her name's Whitney. And she came up to me on Thursday and she was just kind of telling Andrew, she said, I think I have a word from God for you guys. Okay, it's heavy, this is, I want to listen, what is it that you have to say? He says, God just wants you guys to know that he's pleased with you and what you're pursuing. I'm like, wow. Like the very fact that like, God would be thinking about us, the very fact that he would put us on your heart, the very fact that you would go out of your way to tell us that, like it changed my Thursday. Change my desire to pursue God, to walk with God. And I believe that, that God is, is giving us words and encouragement and comfort for each other. And maybe we don't have language for it. We don't know what to do with it. But I believe that the God who is doing that is doing that in this room. He's doing that in you. A guy from our church a couple months ago felt like God was calling him to to move to Peru, quit his job, and to work with this missionary. If you're a Christian, you ever have these kind of moments where God starts to put something on your heart, you're, you're questioning, you're not really sure if it's from God. You're like, you, when, when you're sure that it is from God, you start getting anxious and nervous about being faithful. And so he was just kind of going through all these moments and one morning in prayers, he was being with God. He just felt like God was saying to him, stop worrying and ask Jesus to make it clear. 
So he's like, okay, it's pretty good advice. God, help me quit worrying. Jesus, would you show me what you have for me? comes to church one morning and he comes to worship and to, he, he's, he gets done singing and teaching's over and he's walking to get communion. And this guy from our body, from it might even be you, I don't even know who this is, it's so crazy, this might be you that I'm talking about. He walks up to this guy and he says, hey, I don't know you and I know this is probably going to sound strange, but all throughout worship this morning, every time I looked at you, I felt like God wanted me just to come and tell you that he has this amazing adventure planned for you. And he just wants you to trust him. That God has good plans for you, but he just wants you to be patient. And I believe that's happening. He moved to Peru. I believe God is, is speaking and, and working in us. I think about the gifts of healing. I go, if the almighty God of the universe reveals to you that he wants to work through you to heal somebody, do it. Several years ago, a guy from our church had this bad accident. And for two years, he kind of just put a pause on his life. Took a step back from his job. He's having these debilitating migraines so much so that he couldn't even lay down on his bed. Hurt his head too much. Any sound, any light just made the headache work and so literally he would put himself in a uncomfortable chair like the one that we're letting you sit in this morning in his closet with noise canceling headphones over his ears. Will and some people from our church just had a stirring that was supposed to go and just lay their hands on him. Ask God to heal him. And God healed him. God completely healed him. He's back in our midst. And I go, man, there's so much joy and life found when we use what God is giving to us for the pushing along of others into greater Christ-likeness. And so I go, what this means for us when we're gathered on Sundays, if God puts something on your heart that's just out of left field for someone else in the room, a word that will encourage them or comfort them or push them into greater Christ-likeness, will you just commit to sharing it? It's going to be really weird when you get up and say, hey, I don't know you, but I've got a word from you. But I promise you, if it is a word from God, it will bring immense blessing and encouragement to their soul. And we need you to, to be the body of Christ and to, to work past your fears. To build each other up, the things that God is doing in us. In house churches, when we gather, can we just commit to, if, if, if someone in your house church is just wrestling with faith and God has given you incredible faith, would you just commit to, to being a part of the solution? Take them to lunch or sit them down for coffee and tell them about the hope and the faith and how you know that God is good and that he loves them. The context of house church. But there's a girl that comes in every week and she always talks about how, how God is out to get her and how dis disappointed God is in her and how she can't, can't measure up and how God can never love someone. You have the ability to distinguish between spirits. Would you just take the, the responsibility to do something about it? To sit her down and go, man, the, the things that you're hearing are not from God. 
He sent his son to die for you. The, the blood of Jesus is this great testimony that he loves you, that he has forgiven you, that he's not disappointed in you. As a body of Christ, will we give the best of our gifts and our lives for the good of others? They are given by God for the good of others. And ultimately, the third thing I want us to think about this morning is that they are for his glory. That the spiritual gifts are all about God getting what God wants. And so I want us to look at verse 24. Sorry, verse 25. It says, God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Do you know what it is that God wants? He wants us to understand how involved he is in our lives. And he wants us to understand that he has created us to love each other. To not be conceited about the gifts that he's given to us. And at the same time, to not be intimidated by other people's gifts and what God has given to them. But he is wanting us to, to welcome each other, to celebrate each other, to love each other. He says, suffer together, rejoice together. I go, that's family language. In my marriage, see this playing out. When Court was in physical therapy school, remember she called me one day and she was just so bummed. She called and she said, I've, I failed the test today. And my heart was just broken. Like I could hear it in her voice. I could just tell that she was just so sad. It made me sad. Like I wanted to cry. Her professor called her about an hour later and told her that she didn't fail. She actually made a 95. And I'm like, I hate people like that. And like, <laughs> she's just brilliant. Like, when your family, you suffer together. When somebody hurts, you hurt. You rejoice together, you celebrate together. So I remember the day that she graduated from physical therapy school when she became a doctor. <laughs> so proud of her. There's still a little bit of jealousy in me. Like every time we get a letter in the mail that says like Mr. and Dr. Steele, but like I'm working through that. Like we're still like, <laughs> we rejoice together. Our hearts are one. There's no jealousy. There's, there's no envy. And I go, this is the, what he's desiring to do in us as the body of Christ. That we love each other that we're out for each other's good, that, that we're not jealous and envious. Two of the most special moments in my life have happened in the past six months. We just had Jones, our four-month-old son, the one who's amening over there. And Court was in the, the, the hospital holding Jones. And so I went to, to get Finley. Like it was this moment we were looking forward to. Like how's Finley going to react to seeing her little brother? Is she going to be jealous? Is she going to like poke his eyes out? Is she going to want nothing to do with him? How's she going to respond? And I wish I could take the picture that's in my head and put it in yours so you can understand the inexpressible joy as I pick Finley up and we walk her over and she sees Jones for the very first time and her eyes light up and her cheek, like she smiles this beautiful, big smile and she says Bubba and we're just like oh Jones is starting to recognize Finley and so she'll sit across from him and she'll like tickle him and like touch his face and touch his cheeks and he'll just giggle and laugh and it's just beautiful to watch your kids love each other this is what God wants from us to love each other 
1 John 4 verse 12 says that if we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. It's this great truth that God's love was never meant to stop in our hearts, but it was meant to flow through us to bless other people. And in verse 17 of 1 John says, this is how love is made complete among us, that in this world we become like Jesus. We think about Jesus, the one who never looked out for his own interests, but gave him the very best of himself for our good. Matthew chapter 26, verse 42, Jesus is in this intimate moment right before he goes to the cross and he says, Dad, if there is no other way for people to be saved than for me to die on the cross of Calvary alone, then put me on the cross. If we will look out for each other, how Christ has looked out for us, we will be like Christ. This will be our church. This will be our story. I'm really intrigued by the Kansas City Royals right now. Professional baseball team. This is the first time that they're in the World Series since 1985. I was watching the game the other night. Court and I were watching it and it just hit me that I did not know one player on their team. Can't tell you the last time I turned on a sporting event and didn't know one person that wasn't on the team. I was talking to my buddy Brooks, who's on staff with the City Thus, and he was telling me how there wasn't a person on their team who hit over 300 in the regular season. He said they're just a bunch of ordinary people. There's not one superstar on the team. One of my good friends, Jana, she got to go to game one, and she said, it's amazing watching the Royals. She says they tip their hats at each other like no other team in professional baseball. She said someone will make a great play and the whole team tips their hat or someone hits a home run and they tip their hat or someone throws a great game and they tip their hat or someone steals a base or throws someone out trying to steal a base and they tip their hats at each other because they are in it together. And I was thinking about, man, if the Royals win, the only name that will be remembered is the Kansas City Royals. A hundred years from now, no one will remember the individuals. The name that's on the front of the jersey, the name that was there before them, the name that will be there after them, the name that unites them will be the only name that's remembered. And if you and I will commit to receiving gifts from God and allowing them to bless other people, he will be greatly glorified. And the only name that matters among us will be remembered. That 100 years from now, people aren't going to remember Lincoln, Ben and Emily. The guys leading worship. They don't remember Sam, Ben and Hannah, Samuel. They won't remember Ethos. Jesus Christ. The one who is before us. The one who will be here after us. The one who unites us. Jesus Christ. Here in just a minute, we're going to stand and take communion. If you want to become a Christian today, if you want to receive from God and spend the entirety of your life giving to others for their good, receive the gift of salvation today. Get baptized publicly, declare your faith in the Lord Jesus. Receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Just in a minute when we stand, if you want to talk or pray or get baptized, give your life to some people at the Respond Banner. Men and women, we'd love to talk and pray and help you however we can. For the rest of us, for those of us who are Christians,
I just want to encourage you, if you've been this person that's ignored or misused your spiritual gift, just grab the person next to you. Grab the friend that you came with and just confess. And as you take the, the body and the, the, the blood of Jesus, be reminded that you are forgiven. And then just repent. Live a different, live a better story. May our lives, may as a body of Christ, we give the best we have for the good of others. Let's pray.